0: The word revelation can mean different things to many different people. One of the most important aspects of the concept of revelation when it comes to the word of God is to understand that it is progressive. God unfolds his grand story of redemption in pieces across history and through time. The plan that was conceived in the mind of God before the world began is executed in stages throughout the course of history. God reveals himself through the law, through the covenants, and through his prophets. Throughout the prophetic ministry of God's servants, there are often foreshadowings of God's ultimate plan of redemption that is to come to fruition through the story's protagonist, that is, Jesus Christ himself. We witness a prime example of that foreshadowing through the new covenant explained for us here in Jeremiah 31. Beginning in verse number 21, set up road markers for yourselves. Establish signposts. Keep the highway in mind, the way you have traveled. Return, virgin Israel. Return to these cities of yours. How long will you turn here and there, faithless daughter? For the Lord creates something new in the land. A female will shelter a man. And then verse 31, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master. The Lord's Declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The Lord's Declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's Declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. In Jeremiah 31, God declares his final act of grace in the face of the judgment that the people of Judah are experiencing. Even as Babylon marches in from the north, God gives Jeremiah, now imprisoned because of the people's rebellion, one last word of grace as judgment falls, and that word is glorious. The children of Israel have been taken captive, sent away to Babylon because of their continual idol worship and violation of the Mosaic Covenant that promised that God would bless them if they would honor him and curse them if they dishonored him. This generational pattern of idolatry would eventually carry them off to Babylon as captives. Now, we've spoken at length about Judah's rebellion. Even after witnessing the fall of Israel to the Assyrians, now Judah has run headlong into judgment themselves because of their idolatry. However, there is one beautiful silver lining to the dark cloud of God's judgment. The Lord tells Jeremiah that God will establish a new covenant one day even despite the repeated violation of the old covenant law. I mean, they're in captivity because they violated this law. They couldn't even keep the first commandment, right? That was the reason they were there, was that they had all these idols. But later in the chapter, that covenant, the old covenant, will be dealt with through the woman's seed. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But now, even as they face the judgment of their sin. God says that he will establish a new covenant with the house of Judah, where God will write the law not on stone tablets, but in their hearts. He would put his teaching within them. Remember the destruction of the stone tablets at Sinai because the golden calf that they worshipped in Exodus? Now God's law would not be written on tablets, but on their heart. And rather than lament about the destruction caused by their rebellion, this chapter brims with hope over God's new thing that is now on the horizon. He tells them as the chapter begins and they begin their journey to Babylon to set signposts, to remind them of the old paths, almost like a marker to remind them how to get back home. These would be markers to lead them home again. They would return to their land and, and return to their God. God's plan for them and us were not over. Interestingly, they were old paths. It was the same God, the same pathway to him, which was repentance. But this time, things would be different. The text also mentions how a woman will shelter a man in these days. Now, the female mentioned here is Israel, and she's sheltering a man-child, a baby. God has called Israel his people before and has referenced her several times in straying away from him in their love relationship. This female prostitute, as God has termed her, who has gone after other gods, will herself give birth to a man. And this child is none other than Jesus Christ. Revelation speaks of the woman in travail who gives birth to a son who the dragon, that Satan, tries to kill. Now, we learn in the chapters following that this child would be their righteousness. The name of the capital city is named The Lord is Our Righteousness. Now, before in the Old Covenant, their covenant with God was based on their conditional righteousness. It was based upon their ability to maintain their relationship with him, to keep his laws and commandments and remain faithful to him. But when Jesus comes, he is the priest who righteously judges, but is also their righteousness himself, and their covenant relationship with him is based on his righteousness, not on theirs. The same is true with us. With the child's righteousness being the foundation of this new relationship, God institutes a new covenant. A covenant based on grace and on his finished work for us. Jeremiah says, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. This act is grace personified. Jeremiah says that they will each know the Lord. That is, they will come to know him in an experiential sense. They would know him for themselves. Theirs would be a personal relationship with God. What an astounding truth this is. That God, knowing the rebellion in man's heart, would choose not merely to forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin, but actually allow them to know him personally. What a glorious promise is given to us in these verses. Further, it is tragic that some make no effort to grow in this grace and deepen this relationship that's been inaugurated through the new covenant. One has to wonder that if those who do such things have ever even entered into that covenant in the first place. The writer of the book of Hebrews connects these ideas for us. He writes in chapter 10 verses 14 to 18, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For after, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days. He's quoting Jeremiah 31 here. The Lord says, I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds, and I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. The Hebrew writer is saying that the blood of Jesus is what perfects forever those who are being sanctified. So in God's eyes, we are perfect because of the blood of Jesus, even though we're still changing, being transformed into his image day by day. This covenant of grace represents a monumental shift in God's dealing with humanity. This captivity sets the stage for the next scene in God's drama, the most important one. The presence of the man who would take away their sins in his death and make relationship possible based on his own righteousness with a covenant made through grace. This is Jesus. Jeremiah 31 unfolds for us the richness of the gospel story, and all of it is foretold in the wake of captivity and rebellion. These people are on their way to captivity when Jeremiah tells them this. What a God would intervene for a people who had been so unfaithful to him, a God that would forgive their sins, prepare a body for himself in Jesus, and tabernacle to live with us in the new covenant Through the Holy Spirit. What love and grace, what hope comes from this relentless, everlasting love for us. What a glorious truth. It can be so easy in our lives today to be so fatalistic. Believing that the consequences of our own mistakes have created a hopeless situation. Much like the children of Israel and the people of Judah must have thought as they were carried off into captivity. But we have to remember that we serve a God who intervenes amid despair. Our God loves relentlessly and shows abundant grace in our mistakes and our sins. So what are we to do with all this? What are we to do with this covenant? Well, the Hebrew writer says it best himself as we return again to Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. So God, thank you for the gospel truths shown to us here. Thank you for your love that pursues us relentlessly, even when we walk away from you. Forgive our unfaithfulness. Help us to mark the pathway back to you, the pathway of repentance. May our lives be characterized by it. Forgive, Lord, our infidelity, and help us to be faithful to you because of your relentless love to us. Thank you for your omniscience that has created a solution before we even had a problem. And thank you for the power to accomplish that solution in time. And may it draw us to worship you today. In your name. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.